This pandemic in my home has birthed remarkable overachievement on one front, screen time. I have climbed the leveling up ladder in video games from Harry Potter to Best Fiends, even Little Two Dots, and we are off the charts in overachieving in television watching. We've binged on an embarrassing number of shows and, oh, multitasking? We can follow multiple series at once. We have that down, juggling dramas and comedies, dramedies and those British murder mysteries, which I love. And the ingredient, the key ingredient for keeping all those series going all at once, the recap. Previously on dot, 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 and we go, oh, yes. And all the puzzle pieces of the plot fall into place. And then we get excited about what's ne next. And my husband and I even sometimes play the game of after the recap, we pause and we guess the next plot twist. What's going to happen to this character or that? The worst, however, is when a network booby traps us at the beginning of a show with a sneak peek at what the episode's all about. I don't want to know ahead of time. Don't show me what's coming. I like predicting how it's going to unfold, hoping that the good gals win, the evil ones get conquered, and everyone is reconciled, and, or everyone is in love, and all ends up really right with the world. The TV business actually has a term for this abomination. It's called the pre-cap. <laughs> An opposite of a recap, the pre-cap for the beginning. So in a really odd way, I totally identify with Peter in today's gospel. Because he's been all in on following Jesus right from the get-go, loving being a part of this amazing unfolding narrative, loving watching Jesus heal and teach, and even before today's reading, feeding thousands of people. Jesus giving people what they long for, spiritual and physical wholeness and reconciliation. So when Jesus asks Peter, as we heard in last week's gospel, who do you say that I am? Peter, without skipping a beat, does a mental recap of everything he's seen, everything he's felt and experienced, and it clicks. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And wow, what an amen Jesus gives him in return. Like, yeah, you, you got it, Peter. And upon this rock, upon the rock of your faith, I will build my church, a gathering of my people for all time, a church against which no evil can prevail. Wow, just imagine how that made Peter feel. But then, the very next thing Jesus does is what we heard today. He gives the disciples a dreaded precap, and it is dreadful. He says, I'm going to suffer at the hands of religious leaders, at the hands of the people you respect and have been leading you, and I'm going to be killed. And spoiler alert, I'll be raised on the third day. But I can't imagine that Peter or the disciples can even think about that being raised or the third day. 
Because they're stuck, suffering, death. How can they think of anything other than, no, this is not where the plot's supposed to go. Suffering is not part of the Messiah's character. It's not what God, our divine writer, producer, has in store. So in this focus group of me, 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 Peter, I need to let you know this must never happen to you. And then how many of us cringe when we hear Jesus reply, get behind me, Satan. Ooh, that sounds so harsh. And it's so harsh, we tend to have that sticker in our minds and we often don't hear the explanation Jesus says right after that. Peter, you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And part of what I find really interesting here is that Jesus doesn't say to Peter, go away, you know, away with you, Satan, like he actually did to the tempter in the wilderness. Jesus tells Peter, get behind me. And it sounds a lot like, follow me, but as strong as it could possibly be. Step back, get behind me, and I mean it, young man. Follow me. And it echoes the invitation Peter and Jesus's other followers got at the be very beginning. Follow me. But this time for Peter, instead of letting go of his fishing nets, he's asked to let go of the narrative in his heart. And the same way we're asked to let go sometimes of the narrative in our hearts of how he thinks, how we think things of God should unfold. Jesus is telling Peter and telling us in this passage to reorient ourselves to him, to Jesus, our Savior. To reorient ourselves to him through whom God's kingdom breaks into this world. And it's in a way we don't always recognize. This kingdom is one of ultimate love, like if you were with us last week, like Reverend Timothy spoke about, a kingdom we can see when we look around us, when we see love. A kingdom, God's kingdom born of unending love, is a kingdom that's marked by total liberation from oppressive powers and forces of the world. This is not individual salvation, this is corporate salvation as well. It's a kingdom of complete and utter justice for all, where brokenness is healed and all things are made whole. This is the kingdom of new life. This is the kingdom of life that is not the life that we may know today. And what is meant when Jesus says, those who give up their lives, who lose their lives, will find it we will find a new form of life, a challenging life, a challenging walk into a life, but it is a new form of life. And th this is a challenge for us today. When Jesus tells us, tells Peter and the disciples to take up our crosses, we're being told and we're being asked to live into the scary crossroads of sorts of choosing to follow him, to get behind him, choosing a divine life to serve the common good instead of serving ourselves alone. 
sort of things we're asked to let go of. Pride, ego, security for what we have. We are to follow Jesus into the unknown, into the possibility of suffering. And this isn't easy. It's a path of uncertainty, and it is a path that can and often does involve suffering in the name of justice, in the name of God. And we've been seeing it writ large with the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests these last last week um, with the shooting of Jacob Blake. We've seen it in retrospect this week with the 50th anniversary of the great Chicago moratorium, the peaceful protest against the Vietnam War here in LA, the biggest march by Chicanos that had ever happened in the US. We see how some of our forebears have carried the cross, our forebears who carried the cross marching peacefully, and they were tear gassed and shot at, and some were killed. Suffering 50 years ago at the hands of the police is right in our face today with this anniversary. Suffering at the hands of the police and at the hands of mainstream white power, all because what they were doing was raising their voices against war, raising their voices for the peaceable kingdom of God, raising their voices against the terribly disproportionate number of deaths of Chicano soldiers in Vietnam. So what are we today being asked to lose in following Jesus? It's not an easy question to answer. Is it our safety? Is it to take on the courage? Are we being asked to take on the courage to become more active in the fight for racial justice, economic justice? Are we being asked to give up our security, our identity in in that security? I've been struck by a challenge that activist Peggy McIntosh issued for white people to look at our invisible weightless knapsacks of special provisions. What maps and passports and code books and visas and tools and clothes and blank checks are we carrying that we may not even know that we're carrying? Things we are carrying instead of carrying the cross. Items that give some of us levels of economic and physical security that is at the expense of our fellow human beings, our fellow citizens. So today, what narrative and identity are we to set aside as we get behind Jesus? How are we to get behind Jesus? And I love, if you really think about it, as harsh as the the phrase, get behind me, Satan, is, I love that it's right next to the passage where Jesus empowers and upholds Peter for proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. Because in asking Peter to get back, that is a loving ask. That is an ask to, come on, fall in line, follow me. So whether we get it or not, whether we want the precap that may be ahead of us in the story, it's a precap that will lead us into kingdom life. It's a precap that will help 
the kingdom of God break into this world? So it's a big challenge today. But it's a challenge where Jesus is with us and in front of us, leading the way. Amen.